Welcome to the OCRWC podcast. Today, I'm joined by pro athlete Rose Wetzel. She's been in the sport from the early days and has seen a lot of changes, plus has gone through plenty herself in her career. We chat about how she got into the sport, her experiences in the past, and how to hold your head up high when you fall. Hi, Rose. Welcome to the OCRWC podcast. Thanks for having me, Fran. Good to be here. <laughs> I feel like I should have had you on long before. I'm kind of like rotating through, getting through people. And I look at the list. I'm like, yeah, I've really got to get this person on. I feel like you should have been before, but I think this is going to be a lot of fun. So I'm glad that you've joined me today. Thank you. First of all, tell me a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from, et cetera. I am from Seattle, Washington, born the eighth of nine children. Wow. And we had our own little obstacle course growing up as kids which was quite fun and a little crazy. I went to school in DC and I went on a running scholarship. So I was very much into, into track, into running and running fast. That was very fun. After college, I tried to make the US Olympic trials in the mile. I came up short, was gonna go again. And then a friend of mine, Chad Trammell, had been doing obstacle course racing. And, and a personal training client of mine had mentioned it as well. And, uh, but then when Chad said, Hey, you know, you should really try being one because you should try this race because you're strong from being a personal trainer and, and you're fast. And I was like, okay, well, what is it? He's like, Oh, you know, run in the woods and carry things and throw things and climb things. And I was like, um, great. <laughs> so I went to, uh, the Washougal near my house and I, uh, in Seattle and I tried my first obstacle course race and it was like, Tim, my husband was watching me and was like, oh my gosh, like she looks so exhausted and like she's either going to love this or hate it. And I was like, yeah, just so like head to toe, barely crawling through these mud pits at the end. And I was like, that was amazing. <laughs> I would do that again. And so I trained and, and I worked on my obstacle technique skills and uh, worked on a little bit of endurance and mountain stuff, but mainly just learned how to climb a rope faster and flip a tire and that's, this was way back in 2013, mm. and I have been having so much fun running obstacle courses since then. Yeah. I mean, the first thing I thought, which is a little bit random, but as you were saying that, like, what, you, you've been in OCR a long time, like, since the early days where we were kind of, yeah, rope climb, flipping tires, carrying logs, and things have progressed so much since then, and you've seen a lot of it. What's it been like kind of experiencing this the change in what you have to do out on course OCR has gone through a lot of changes that is true and it's been fun to see it's been interesting it's been a little little less of the time spent in my experience like when I first came upon an obstacle that was like this cement <laughs> block with a chain coming out of it and then a log next to it I I was just like what am I supposed to do with this? And <clears throat> I happened at the time to be in first place in this in this race, uh, the first one. And then I remember uh, someone named Amelia Boone coming and picking up this block like it was nothing, and grabbing the chain and grabbing the log and whizzing past me. And I was like, oh, that's what you're supposed to do yeah. with it. And so I just, you know, followed and followed her. And uh, that was my, that was my intro. There weren't YouTube videos on it yet. There weren't races to watch that we hadn't been on NBC sports mm -hmm. yet. And it was very much just this, you're kind of cool in a way, just like kind of figure it out as you go mindset. Mm -hmm. It has been fun to see this, it, 
OCR evolve as a sport as uh-huh. well as someone who is uh, really into the kind of competitive side of it and, the, and just competitive with myself too, but, but also in the racing. It's been fun to see it evolve and draw a bigger crowd and cause us to really learn how to do some of these obstacles really well and then the technique really well. And it's been a strategy and it's been neat to hone in those skills and uh, really get some great races down. I mean, speaking of Amelia, I mean, we had some races on NBC sports in, you know, uh, quite a few years ago now, but where we went you know, back and forth and she usually won. Um, but gosh, darn it, I had fun either way. I mean, whether I once in a blue moon won or, or came in second, but had a good run. It was just uh, really neat to see people work on their strengths and weaknesses and really bring out each other's best. Mm. Yeah, there's been a lot of changes. And it's it's so great when you kind of hear stories about things. Because obviously, I'm in the UK. So there's a lot that has happened in the US that I don't know about and people in the UK and Europe won't. So it's, it's cool to hear about that progression. Um, and also, I didn't know that you were originally, you know, aiming for the Olympics and running. That's, that's super cool. Thanks. I mean, so Olympic trials is the first step to the Olympics, and I fell short of the Olympic trials. I mean, trials. The now, trials is... Yes, exactly. So you had to get to step A to get to step B. So I don't want to make it sound like I just barely almost made the Olympics. Like, that, that is a whole nother level. But you have to get to round one to get to round two. And I made a lot of progress getting towards that round one with a really great coach um, after college. And, you know, I had more years in me, more, more attempts in me for sure. But then when I got this opportunity to try this new random race, it was like, you know, I've been running around the track over and over and over trying to hit the exact second. And I've, you know, we'll be doing this again for four more years. Let me just go run amok in the woods and try something that is just kind of like, I'll be a newbie and just whatever. And that was really neat and refreshing. And I got really lucky because I joined in to OCR when it was really, really, really taking off. This is about 2013. And so I got, you know, some support. I got some, some, some flights. I got some sponsors and that really helped me to get situated where I was like, okay, this is something I could do, you know, for a living or maybe a humble living. But, um, you know, I was living a, re- a pretty humble living anyway, as a personal trainer. So like I, was like left my corporate job or something. (laughs) So it was, yeah, it was neat to be able to really dive into this new and fascinating sport, take on the new challenges and watch it grow. It is such a different kind of when you're saying about running around the track, I was thinking, I know someone who's a racing driver and he calls himself a goldfish. He goes round and round. (laughs) He goes round. I mean, he loves it, but he goes round and round. And kind of just saying that just made it such a stark difference between something like track and OCR. And I think it takes a certain kind of person to be able to deal with that uncertainty of OCR. I think a certain type of person needs that uncertainty, but also a certain type of person, you know, couldn't deal with it. It's it's forever changing, developing. It's different. You never know what's coming. It's not just one thing. And I think that makes it really difficult for everyone, those who put on the races and those who take part, but that's kind of the magic of it as well, right? Sure. And some of the criticism from from some back in the day to now have said, oh, it's too predictable. And now we know which the obstacles are and there aren't, you know, the surprise obstacles. We can see what it is and there's more standardization and all that. And that is true. And, and there are different sides of the of the fence on whether or not that's good or not good. 
either way though it is still very unpredictable <laughs> compared to running around a track and so i have seen you know i've seen a really really fast um solid strong distance track runner you know attempted to do and take on obstacle course racing back in the day he had made the olympic trials and it was hard for him to adjust because he was so used to like knowing the certain pace on the track and I think he just had a hard time with this, like, you remember just running off. And it's not even just like a trail race where you can say, I can base it on maybe not my pace mm -hmm. as well because there are hills, but my heart rate. Like, you are, like, going through barbed wire and then you're, you know, climbing a rope. And so it's really hard to 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 use data mm -hmm. to gauge how much to exert yourself. So it's a little lot more of this um, disability to just kind of go by perceived exertion and just kind of, you know, whoops, if you go too fast or too hard, then you got to slow it down and be able to deal with that and hit the wall and, and push through it. And that doesn't appeal to everybody. And it didn't appeal to this particular, very solid track, track runner strength. But I think for me growing up in a bit of a chaotic environment with nine children, there's an element of like, well, whatever it is, we you know, do I'm ready or I'm not ready. I'm ready to just try to figure it out. I definitely want to ask you more about being uh, one of nine because that's uh, I was one of four and that felt like a lot of children, but it's it's not even halfway. Um, but before we get yeah, to that, <laughs> that um, it's an interesting point you make about not having the data and being able to pace. And it's interesting to see how different athletes work at events. I always quite admire Chris Rogowski. She's very good at running her own race. She's had a few races at Savage where I've been like, oh, she's way behind everyone. This is unusual. And every time I get, you know, myself handed to me and going, yeah, she's running her own race. This is what she does. But it's it's it must be really hard to do that because that could mean you're just not going to get a first place if someone's there who's just going to consistently like run faster or stronger than you. How how do you train for that? How do you train for knowing how to push? I think you have to be both confident and humble. You have to be able to hold both parts in one hand <laughs> each. You know, like you have to be confident enough to say, "Hey, I'm here. I belong here. I'm training hard. I'm. I can. I can do this. I can do this well." And then humble enough to say, "I don't know what sort of shape everyone else mm. is in. I don't know how things are going to feel for me today." So I'm going to. Yeah, run your own race on one hand. Also, though, it, it, we we you know we do get, and some of us maybe more than others, but we do get pushed and mm. pulled and motivated by those oh, around us. Like otherwise, we could all just go do virtual races and say, "Well, I ran." Well, I was gonna say, what what would it be like if if you did races individually? You know, in some wild, crazy world, say only one person was out running at a time. What would that look like? You know, without somebody to push you or someone to compete against. It's it's, it's it's just such a comp there's another level to it and I know that's just part of sport and competition but as someone who's not an elite athlete I find it a really interesting aspect well sure I mean when someone's you know you know I don't know 10 meters ahead of you and there's only 20 meters or you know there's out of let's just say you have to like sprint in like crazy mm -hmm. to the finish line and you have to go on that next level that you only hit once a year but gosh darn it <laughs> the podium or the first place or whatever is right there there is almost a little bit of like a primal instinct that comes out like yes. is it really that important it's not that important in my, it's not life or death to go get in front of this you know chris lagorowski whoever's you know right in front of you you're like hey no I have better foot speed gosh don't her endurance than mine but if I'm just closer <laughs> at the end of the race I can sprint in in, in in goodness gracious isn't it fun especially when you know the person is like 
out there, such a great athlete working so hard. And, and so it's fun to to think, oh man, like I really respect this person and I'm right here and mm -hmm. I'm working hard too. And we're bringing out each other's best and, and let's just see, you know, which way the, the, the die roll today. Like, let's just see, uh, you know, who ends up coming in first and, and, and with some people it can just be a toss up really. And it, it makes it fun. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh man, there was a while when I was like, oh, if I beat Rhea Coble, that meant I had a really great day. Cause she's just such a strong, solid athlete. And she's just always going to show up ready to go. And she was someone mm -hmm. I could kind of gauge off in a race that's otherwise difficult to to gauge a bit because on in track and field, there's an objectivity to it. <clears throat> did you run a 442 mile? which is your best rose or did you not run a 442 mile which is your best but yeah in in, in OCR you kind of need those other people and so it's nice to have people who are also working really hard year round and you know when they show up they show up and they race well and so you can say okay well they I if I come in front of that person and then yeah I'll work extra hard because uh you know you get kind of some some props if you will it's like it's like oh to finish in front of so-and-so means I must be working really hard because they're working really hard. So it's just a fun, I love competition. I think it's just really fun. And, um, you know, especially when you can, you can race really hard, bring out each other's best and then, you know, go grab a drink afterwards or grab a, mm. you know, whatever, <clears throat> you know, slab of pizza or whatever you eat and just kind of say, wow, that was fun. And remember this part and that part and see you next time. You know, that's just a neat way, yeah. I think, to enjoy sport with people even if you're quote-unquote competing against them absolutely yeah and I think I see that a lot in OCR is the relationships people have with each other like yeah you're all competing but there are relationships there and it's lovely it's you know seeing people congratulate each other as across the line like yeah you did this this is brilliant rather than oh gosh that was you know it's it's, it's gorgeous and it might be like that in other sports but this is the one that I'm in and think it's gorgeous yeah well I think part of my philosophy I think and I think partly why I've lasted a long time is like if you can be friends with your competitors at least to some degree then either you win or your friend wins and what a neat way yeah. to do it as opposed to you know oh I can't stand this person they're seeing it oh they're only they only <laughs> do well because of this or that or the other thing it's like you know I, I can't know. imagine you ever being like that <laughs> what was that that I can't imagine you ever being like that. Well, I just, it just was like, I don't know. I guess I, I just feel like it's, I feel fortunate because I started out in track and field and in track and field there's, oh, and I also did cross country and in, 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 in track and field, you have relay races. So you all come together to make mm. the best relay race. So you literally go from competing against each other, but also to, you're also, your points add up together. So even in the same race, Yes, you may individually get second and your teammate from your high school gets first, but you still scored the same points for your school. And at the end, it's still mm -hmm. about scoring points for your school. I mean, the individual stuff is nice, don't get me wrong, but it's kind of a neat two-part thing. <clears throat> and then cross-country, you're all working together, same thing. You still have individual places, but you're working together to make it to state or whatever, as we would say here in the States. And then in uh, OCR, just kind of was nice to have that blend over um with some people where it's like oh yeah you kind of also came with the background of like yeah we're competing but we're also working together to do our best and we just want to finish a race doing our best because if you do a race where you're not pushed to your max and you have to really have a lot of like willpower to push yourself to that edge and that edge just it's a fun place to be it's a fun place to be like wow I really you know I, I call it like a vacation for my mind like I just ran so fast and so hard 
that I couldn't think about like, oh, my to-do list or, oh my gosh, I forgot to reveal it's my brother's birthday. Today. You just kind of like this, like, wow, you know, very present moment when you're like running amok through the woods, trying <laughs> run, to run. <laughs> not trip and uh, do your best. Amazing. So let's go back to, um, to um, being one of nine. Like the thing is, it might sound like it's got nothing to do with OCR, but everything that makes us has got everything to do with the person that we are nowadays. And I'm sure it's got a lot to do with that. So yeah, let's, Let's go. Did you say that you are the youngest of nine? I'm the youngest girl. So uh, we have okay. six boys and three girls. And <clears throat> I shared a story in a in a speech I did recently, a keynote speech for Strange Brew Strategies. And it basically talked about how my first obstacles were when I was a kid. You know, sometimes we didn't have enough money to, you know, buy gas. And so our car would run out of gas. We we're always kind of towing the line add in a little bit of gas, and then when it gets low, add in a little bit more. And sometimes we would just run out of gas in the middle of the intersection, of course, and we'd all just, you know, pile out and push the car. <laughs> I'm sure we were quite a sight. We worked together. We got to the local gas station. You know, we figured it out, and that's life. And I think I just learned at a young age that there were always going to be obstacles in life, and you just had to quickly think about how to get through them, and that was just mm -hmm. life. And there wasn't a lot of time to just like sit in the middle of the intersection and say, oh, this is embarrassing. Oh, how did this happen? Like, it's just like, okay, uh, you know, kids, <laughs> safely, you know, get out, everyone. <laughs> it's a neutral. Let's go. And so I think that that really helped me out when it came to obstacle course racing. Because it was just like, okay, mm -hmm. here's an obstacle. How do I do this? I don't know. I'll figure it out. And it was uh, easy to use this think of my feet, think on my feet type of mindset. Mm -hmm to work through whatever popped up. So I, I found it great to, to, you know, arrive at an obstacle course race, especially in the days when you didn't really get maps. It was just like, here we go. And I was just like, okay, mm. this is fun. <laughs> As opposed to, oh my gosh, what's going to show up? It's like, well, I have an idea of what's going to show up and when and where, I don't know, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> so that was mm. a neat component for me. Not everybody loved that perhaps, but, but I like that. I agree. And I think it's probably like we're saying, it's one of those things where, you know, a certain type of person enjoys OCR because of the unpredictability. It's it's probably informed you on how to deal with being thrown into the unknown. But there's probably also a part of you that has a hunger for that, um, the change, the unreliability in a in a safe way, which OCR delivers. You know, mm -hmm. having that in in a home sense as a grown up would be would be would be scary. So you kind of found a way to to feed that yeah. hunger in a way that is productive and healthy and good. And yeah, I, yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, and I enjoy the I enjoy the races where I I know more what to expect, and then I can train a little bit better for it. I know there's going to be a hill here, and I know there's going to be this particular obstacle. So it's not like I I necessarily want it to be as muck as possible, but I will, I do have some, some reminiscing on um, uh, positive memories of when it was kind of like, here we go. Cause then I feel like I almost had less pressure too. It's like, well, I didn't analyze this because there was nothing to analyze. I didn't know. Whereas now I feel like it's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, the race map is out. I need, I should, I should really, I know my competitors are analyzing this. So I too should be really <laughs> like making sure I'm getting enough elevation practice in and practicing this extra grip thing or whatever. So it's, it's all good either way. Yeah. Um, I did hear a story actually talking about unpredictability that I don't know when this was, but they changed something to do with barbed wire because of 
an incident you had at a race. Yes, I did run straight into barbed wire. Well, <laughs> this was, uh, yes, of course, televised. Oh, was it? So <gasps> okay. I'm running and a buddy of mine who was doing obstacle course races at the time, John Yasko, <clears throat> he and I were doing some training together. And he was like, you know, with your track speed, he's like, I bet you could run up the slippery wall without using the helper ropes. And he's like, I don't think any woman ever has that I know of. And I was like, wow, well, that sounds like a cool goal. So racing again, again, I'm um, with Amelia, the at the time reigning world champion. And I want to say maybe I'd beaten her in the OCR televised NBC Sports um, series OCR race prior. And so I was raising her in this one. So it's something in my mind had this thought of like, I can beat her, even though I had I'd beat her many times at all. And so she's ahead of me, but I'm like, okay, I know she's beatable. Just keep on, you know, keep on pushing, keep on pushing. And this second surprise barbed wire was near the end. <clears throat> and um, it's right in front of this slippery slanted wall. And so I'm looking up, not down to gain this momentum to cruise up this wall. And then boom, I'm like smacked onto the ground, like boom. And just mud on my face. Luckily, my face landed oh my in between two barbed wires, the space in between. But I had barbed wire in my arm, in my bicep, and then through, across my <gasps> stomach. And so I like smacked down full speed. I'm like, oh my goodness, what? Realize what happened. Hold the barbs out, kept on rolling, and I still ran up that slanted slippery wall without <laughs> using the help. I applied a lot of adrenaline. <laughs> And uh, finished that race strong, and I got second place. And uh, I think Amelia was 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 out of out of sight anyway. But that was definitely one of those cases where I learned. Uh, oh yeah, those lessons I learned as a kid about just rolling with it and knowing that obstacles will happen, and knowing that you need to develop the skill and and just you know lean into that skill of keep rolling with it. I can sit here and say, oh my gosh, this is embarrassing. Oh my gosh, how did I do that? But really the reality is you're still in a race, get up, get going. And it is what yeah. it is. I mean, there's only one thing important and there. If you're okay, you know, if you're not immediately damaged, the only thing important is getting up and finishing the race in that moment. Right, exactly. Yeah, and I was fine. I mean, yeah, I needed to have it, you know, cleaned out thoroughly and all that, but it was nothing was nothing was too crazy. I have a few little, little barbed wire scars, but uh, nothing, nothing too crazy. Just mainly a good yeah. story. Bruised ego for a moment. No, no, not even that. It was, it was. All I mean, good. I mean, I, I tripped good. over the barbed wire that I couldn't see because I was running so darn fast to make it up the wall in a way that no woman had ever done before. I'm not well, sure that can, you should bruise your ego too much. Yeah, no, I, I, I kid about the bruised ego, but, but in this um, speech I just gave, I did have a whole a wipeout reel of like times I belly flopped <laughs> on American Ninja Warrior and just you know completely in OCOWC I think a couple years ago I was running 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 it was at the beginning of the race and I was maybe maybe in first place by a hair but Lindsay was right there <clears throat> um, near the very beginning and we gone over just a wall and on the way down on the on the on the, the the what would I call them the the ladders like you go up a wall and mm, the way yeah. down on the way down backside there are these um, steps to go down and I was going quickly down and my foot just like slipped down into one of the, and onto, you know, one of the steps. And I just fell and kind of banged my mm -hmm. shin and I fell down to the bottom and Lindsay's right next to me. And she's like, Oh, Rose, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. Got right up and went, but I have that, like all these just wipeouts, just as many of them in this wipeout reel. And it's like, well, 
yes, you know, bruise my ego. Not, not really though. That's kind of more just like, but you know, definitely bruise my, my legs and all that. But really the reality is that I've fallen down, but the reality is I've always mm -hmm. gotten up and those, those falls, those fails, whatever brought me valuable lessons that also led to this. And then I have a highlight reel and, um, you know, even after having a hard time, uh, uh, postpartum, uh, after having my baby Taylor, it's like, I got third at OCRWC world championships and I'd never had gotten a podium spot at OCRWC world championships after giving birth and, yeah. and kind of struggling to come back with, you know, having this surgery where I lost a lot of blood because I, I presented when didn't come out anyways, TMI, <laughs> but it is more valuable, you know, to get those highlights when you've had a low light, you appreciate them even more. And so, yeah, I've, I've fallen and I've gotten back up and uh, we all do that. We all have moments where we have our faces in the mud. We've got some, you know, metaphorical barbs in our body and we have a choice. So are we going to stay down here and be like, man, why does this always happen to me? Mm -hmm. or are we going to say, you know, this does happen to, to everybody in some way, shape or form. It's part of the human experience. We have a choice. We stay down, we wallow or we mm -hmm. get up. And I'm not saying to always be like so strong every second. I mean, sometimes, yeah, it could takes a little bit of like, some self-talk. Maybe we need a friend to help us up. Maybe we need a counselor to help us up. Like all those things to me are not like some sign of weakness. It's a sign of just being human and going through the process of when you're down, sometimes you can pop right back up because you just have this adrenaline rush and you know you're you're fine. And sometimes it does take a little while to come up. But really, the reality is that <clears throat> there are resources out there, you know, for people. Hopefully people have great, strong friends and social connections but either way, there are resources out there and you just uh, got to keep on keeping you on. Do. And I think uh, additionally to that, what strikes me is it took me a long time to go all in with things because I don't know, the fear of failing was quite high. Not well, maybe I just I've, I've always been scared of looking stupid. I didn't want to look like an idiot. And you, you are going to have moments where you fail if you go all in. But you're not going to have moments where you succeed unless you go all in. So you can live a bit of a yeah. half-life and stay safe and and not have times where you might feel a bit silly or, you know, yeah, maybe you get a bruise here or there or a cut. But you're never going to do anything brilliant unless you take that risk. And it's it's absolutely worth taking. A hundred percent. I read today about something called the spotlight effect. We all think that there's a big spotlight on us. And... I read this in the context of a dad talking to his daughter and his daughter saying, oh my gosh, you know, my friend started this, you know, girl band, but I don't want to be a part of it because what if I do something stupid or embarrassing? And he said, and she's like, I do just embarrassing things a million times a day. And he's like, do your friends ever do embarrassing things? And she's, like, she's like, oh, I, I don't know, maybe, but I can't remember any. And he's like, well, they probably think they do it all the time. But the reality is that we all think that, you know, it's like my personal train clients. If they go to the gym, they're like, oh no, what if I sit on the machine backwards and make a fool of myself? You think everyone's looking at you. I think everyone's looking at me. It's just, they're not. <laughs> Everyone is focused on their own world, their own life, getting through their day. And they're just not focused on whether or not you're sitting on the lap pull-down machine correctly or whether or not you, you know, as an adolescent, just, you know, I don't know, or wearing the wrong colored socks. <laughs> they just don't care. So <laughs> it's liberating yes. to think that 
you know, it's, you know, if we fail, so what in, in, you know, Oprah Winfrey, you know, she's failed on massive levels. If you think about, she started a whole network, but look at how many, look at how unbelievably successful she is too. I mean, it's just off the charts and you're right. You're just not going to do anything brilliant unless you're willing to do those fails along mm -hmm. the way. And, you know, in, in quote unquote, look stupid, but the reality is that most people are not looking at you saying, oh my gosh, you know, you look so stupid. Then we're thinking, oh, you know, Look at them going for it. Yeah, there's a, there's a Good saying them, that you know I always like. I've always kept in the back of my mind, which is um, you'll stop worrying what people think of you when they when you realize how little they do. And it's not meant to be a mean thing, like you're yeah. not important, no one cares about you. But just to kind of yeah, they don't they don't. And when you were saying about did, your yeah. paper reel of things you've done, my first thought was like it's so nice to see someone like you have moments where everything's not perfect and everything's not you know it's just it's human and it's real and it gives permission to others to be human and real and make mistakes and try so it's you know from one hand it might be oh I, I might look stupid people might think less of me but on the other hand it could be yeah I, I made a mistake that might help someone else and that's great totally one thing I learned in my public speaking class way back in college was that People in the audience want you to mm -hmm. do well. Okay. Most people see another human and say, oh gosh, I know what it's like to publicly speak. Most people don't like to do that. <laughs> so they're watching you saying, oh, I hope they do well because, oh, I know how I would feel if I just totally forgot what I was going to say. So they're not sitting in the audience saying, oh my gosh, who's this person? What are they saying? You know, they're just like, oh, you know, so just remember that, you know, people, generally, unless they have some really big reason to not like you, you know, it's like, <laughs> they just kind of want you to do well, because they can see themselves yes. in you in your humanity. And just, you know, if you think of people generally as being kind and supportive, and, uh, you know, a, a fellow human, I think that that really helps. And I, I feel fortunate enough that that I do generally think that most people are kind and good and supportive and won't completely laugh if I fall on my face. And if they do, that that's actually fine. I, I laugh sometimes <laughs> when I fall on my face. Like it is getting kind of funny, you know. It's like, it's like no one gets hurt. It is actually kind of funny. So like with a six-year-old, I'm trying to teach her, like, when is it okay to laugh? It's like, well, wait and see if the person's hurt, you know. Um, and if they start laughing, though, you know, if it's kind of silly, you know, it's, it's kind of tricky to, to gauge and look for clues on people's faces. I but, just go with, are you okay? You know, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, a really good blooper can be funny. <laughs> I mean, saying that, this is completely irrelevant, but kind of true. I just went on a skiing trip with a few friends and we all fell over quite a lot. And I was taking videos of one of them and he he did a jump and he fell over and I was like, you okay? He's like that. He said, yeah, and that just started laughing. The second I knew he was okay, I was like, oh, you silly <laughs> Billy. But alternatively, I did the same thing. I thought I could pull a hundred, I don't even know how much we a hundred kilo guy from standing whilst I was moving. And I just kind of went, pam, straight on the floor. And it was so <laughs> funny. Like I was, I was hysterical for about nine minutes, just like almost couldn't breathe. So yeah, it, it can also be very funny as long as no one's hurt. Well, especially if we're like playing, like sometimes it's like, yeah, you can do silly, like skiing is kind of like mm. playing. Like when you're, when you're playing, you know, you, you are, you're, your kid-like, childlike in a way. Unfortunately, we think of play as being reserved for children. We when in reality, adults should also play. We benefit greatly from playing, from laughter. I did a little laughter yoga class and it's like we, kids laugh, you know, I don't know how many times more than, <laughs> than grown-ups do, but 
at some point we think that's not <laughs> worth our time and it's silly because we need to laugh. It's so therapeutic. It's so good it for really our nervous is. systems. And yeah, so doing something where we might fall over and have our friends and ourselves laugh at ourselves as long as we're, you know, not injured is wonderful. <laughs> um so talk about kids you you do you've got a child a six-year-old daughter um and you kind of I guess you took a bit of a break from racing but you came back and you know I don't always want to focus on women oh you've had a child and make it sound like that is the most important thing about them but you know I've got a six-year-old daughter as well and I know the impact it's had on my body and how different my body is and just the things that I can and can't do so I'm always in awe of women who can who can do that and I'm always interested in how they do that and 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 just I just think it's such a great message you know obviously not everyone has to do it but it's possible you know it's possible to regain strength to still be absolutely formidable whilst having created a human I feel very fortunate because it took a lot of work and a lot of support and I talked about this in my speech as well where the only person who has to believe in you is mm -hmm. you and even though there were moments where I was dealing with postpartum depression, I'd lost a ton of blood during um, the, the post-delivery process, needed DNC, two blood transfusions. Like I was, it was, I yeah, was it was not great. The delivery was great. Everything was great. And then um, just my placenta didn't come out. We don't know why, no, no reason. But anyways, I was basically bleeding. I, I will not go into all the details, but where I'm going with this is just that it was a little bit of a rough go from the beginning mm -hmm. <clears throat> on uh, losing a ton of blood instead of having that one tiny, tiny benefit that that new moms can have where they actually have a higher blood volume. I had it deplete, a depleted blood volume. So kind of behind the eight ball for training. And but I had this, you know, wonderful, awesome baby that I wanted. And so that was so great to to have her. And I had a really supporting husband in Tim. So those were huge, hugely key components. I also had a really strong desire to continue to compete and compete well. And I knew I had a lot of years left mm. in me. So I trained, I ended up moving to Boulder where I could altitude train and kind of get my blood cells back. But then I wasn't around family. So that was tricky and friends. So there were just a lot of components that I had to navigate. I, some extra obstacles, if you will. But I kept at it. I never let the dream or the drive die. I just kept at it, kept at it. It took so long to quote unquote, come back. Like just, I wanted to be one of those inspirational mom stories. And it just was like no bouncing back. It was scraping and crawling. And it took, I mean, it really, I would say it took mm. two years to be quite honest. It took like two years, but I'm, you know, six years out now and I've gotten to enjoy four really, really, really great years. And I'm going super mm. strong. I'm feeling fantastic. Super excited for OCRWC. I got fourth in the 3K and 15K last year. And I'm like, okay, Rosie, this is get some more, get some longer racing in, get some, you know, more endurance in and come back strong. Um, I also just had a lot of support with my sponsor, mm -hmm. MitoQ. It's just great to have support in mm -hmm. general, like just to like to kind of be like, a, can I, you know, justify like can I can I can I fly places to races, mm -hmm. all that stuff. Um, but MitoQ is also this really awesome supplement. It's this mitochondria targeted antioxidant. And it's really great, especially for those of us who are not exactly 20 years old anymore. Uh, our cells get a little bit older. <laughs> yeah. So I just had like that type of support too. I just, um, I was, was fueling well. I was taking this really great supplement MitoQ that helped my aging cells basically 
have some cellular recharge in a way that it didn't affect me as much. So I could still get the really good training in, especially on those days where it was like, oh my gosh, I am tired <laughs> from having a baby. And I, yeah, I kept on laying a brick, kept on just putting in the work, putting in the work. Even if others didn't believe in me, I kept on going. And now, of course, being at a great spot again is just that much sweeter because I had to work so hard for it. And then now I have this adorable six-year-old who saw me put in the work and saw that if you really, truly are dedicated to something and you keep showing up, you could make it happen. And so that's been a really neat twist to it. And now I'm doing this, you know, public speaking and sharing my stories and sharing my experience. And that's a neat way to make something great out of a, a challenging time period. And everyone goes through challenging time periods. So that's just a very relatable thing. Uh, it's a great way to connect with others to be like, well, I've gone through this, you've gone through that. Okay. And also just like breaking down the stigma of mental illness in general. Hey, look, you know, you, some people have it chronically, I had more of an acute version, but, but I had a taste of it to say, gosh, if someone goes through that all the time, chronically, that's, that's probably very, very, very mm -hmm. challenging. How can, how can I support you? How can we support you more as a society? Mm -hmm. But yes, I did put in a lot of work. I had a lot of great support. I took great care of my body and it still took yeah. forever. I mean, she is, isn't really like forever, forever, if you think about it. But I know that kind of it feels like yeah. it at the time. I, I spoke to Karen Carlson. I did a podcast with her. I think she was like the second one I ever did. Six weeks after she'd had her daughter. And she was like, yeah, everything's great. I'm back to training. Maybe it was a few more. Maybe it was through, uh, you know, it was a bit longer. But then I spoke to her again, maybe a year later. And she's like, I'm really glad we're speaking again because... It wasn't that easy. You know, I, I was talking and I, I believed it at the time, but then I was really struggling and it was hard and it took a long time. And I don't know, it seems crazy because, you know, we could create a human in nine months, which is almost nothing to build a whole body. But the toll that it takes on our body and, and some things that you might just never know. I mean, I have some things I had some pain issues prior to having a child, which the relaxants sorted out beautifully and they've never come back so some things have been great but then other things like my back I've just never been able to build that core and back strength up to to be as strong as I was if I was in your position would I have worked harder and done it absolutely um but yeah it kind of it does it does take time I don't think two years is forever but I can see why it would be really hard to do especially coming from the position that you were in where you know you'd been really fit and strong and then kind of you were knocked even more, you know, a few steps back from where most women mm -hmm. are. And that must have been really tough. Yeah. It's interesting to hear Karen Carlson's story because I do think that there are times where you can, if she was like me and, and, and I follow her and I believe she was like able to train through your pregnancy mm. and like I was running, I did a half marathon, you know, jogging, mm. you know, run to jog to walk, you know, was my half marathon, but still I finished the whole 13.1 miles at, I think I was seven months pregnant. Like I really had it, had it good as far as being able to run while pregnant. <clears throat> and then I even did a Spartan race, like two months after giving birth. Um, I, I, I did that. I, like, that was a oh, terrible idea for me. I think I did my first. You did too. Oh seven yeah. Seven or eight weeks out from giving birth, I did one at twenty-eight yeah. weeks pregnant, and it was okay. And I had two friends with me, and then I did one at eight weeks. Let's say eight weeks postpartum. Uh uh. I feel like I feel like I was. I felt like my stomach was going to just fall out or something. 
Interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely felt because I did this. I did the Spartan World Championship at it just over two months. No, it was. I think it was two months to the day. And like I felt, yeah, that was that was crazy. Eighty pounds sandbag that took wow. me forever. But um, but I felt like when I went up up a wall, like there was a, like someone punched a yeah. hole out of my stomach. Like I had no yeah. core strength. It was the weirdest. So weird. But but my point is actually that I'm making is a little different than your experience. My point is that I actually think I felt better, kind of like Karen Carlson a couple months out because I had mm. been training and yeah, I'd lost a lot of blood, but got two transfusions. But I, but to me, the really, the hardest thing one, one could say for me was, um, and maybe for Karen, it was like the year of waking up and feeding, mm. night feeding and the like cumulative exhaustion. Like I think at two months postpartum, I still got a lean into like the fitness I'd had for so many years built up. But then when it came to be like six or seven or eight months. And you were of, like training at that so... point as well. So you were yeah, pushing your training. body really hard. Was... And then you had all mm-hmm. the, yeah. yeah. See, I, I wasn't training. I was just being a human and I found it hard. I remember six months. That was, that was tough. I think I like, oh, I remember going for a walk and just thinking, how am I going to stay awake? But I wasn't having to train. I was just pushing a buggy for you know a couple of hours a day and that was that was it that was that was the extent yeah. of it so the that on top of yeah 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 so it just yeah everyone's experience is is totally different um I just feel like that's interesting mm-hmm. to hear Karen's experience where it's like it almost was sounds like it's hard it was harder for her a year out than it was like the two or three months mm-hmm. out and I and I think that that I could say was the same to me to some degree because I think I had that you know the last few years of consistently training well even through pregnancy mm. and then a year of just more I mean I was still training every day but it was just the exhaustion the pace to be able to push myself was just so different even not even as good as while I was pregnant mm. believe it or not I could still do high knees and butt kicks and some interval I mean I, I really <laughs> I was actually I was training pretty well when I was pregnant I mean I was I was very very on top yeah. of things and all that and uh you know but really, there, it's I, we're learning more and more. I think that that women can do more and more safely while you're pregnant. It's just people erred on the side of caution for so long because nobody wants to be that guinea pig. I think if women but are in touch time, with their bodies and they know what they're capable of, yeah. and they can understand how they're feeling. I mean, I I could train to the level that I train. You know, it's it's all relative sure. for quite a long time, um, and I did okay. And then it got to a point I, I had problems with my hips, so I had to walk a lot every day. I just I just yeah I just had to keep walking otherwise I'd be in more pain than if I didn't but I got to a point and it must have been July because it was hot and we don't get off and get hot here and she was due it was very close to my due date and we just walked and there's a very slight incline near my house and I mean I got part of the hill is like you don't know how hard this is I'm like I mean my baby was big (laughs) she was a big you know there's no I've got a tiny torso it's so short um and at that point that that was a kind of recognizing what am I capable of here I need to walk so I don't hurt but I need to walk at a you know a glacial pace so I think you know staying active when pregnant so important so beneficial if you're able to do it if your lifestyle allows but yeah there needs to be that kind of connection with body and women to trust themselves and trust their body totally that's funny we gave birth within a week of each other and and it was also hot yeah 2017 yeah also hot out but that's true our bodies really do speak to us and if Mm -hmm. we slow down enough to listen and we are willing to listen you know but I really want to do this today I mean this is the same this is not just a pregnant thing this is just also for anybody it's like 
my training plan says to do 12 miles today at this pace. And it's like, well, but if you didn't sleep well last night or you, you know, are under a lot of stress from work or from your relationship or whatever, you might not be able to just go do that 12 miles. <laughs> you might need to do eight. You might need to take a day off. You might need to go slower. So being able to listen when the body says, uh, 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 not today. But then once in a while, mm. the opposite can happen, right? Where it's like, gosh, it says to do 12 miles today, but I feel really great. Maybe I'll do this. And then a friend just joined me in the run. I ran into a friend. Yeah, I could do a couple more miles, you know? And so that's the beauty of it. When you really know your body well, it's almost like a I imagine a really good chef who can say, this is the recipe. I was about to say, like, it sounds like (laughs) cooking. Like if you follow a recipe to the T, it's not going to turn out exactly the same every time. Like you need to taste it. You need to know what's going on. You need to be able to change it and go, this is what it needs today. Or this is how it is. Like. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. So yeah, getting to that point where you really listen to your body for anybody and, 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 at, and at any level. I mean, the thing is, is that like, yeah, the elite level, you're working really, really hard. I know some people who are not at the elite level who are working really, 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 hard, really hard. Yeah. And who care just as much about their race as mm-hmm. any of us with cameras on us care about our race. Mm-hmm. So really, it's not like, oh, I think some people think, oh, I, I have to. How do I justify my time or money or energy spent? training and racing if I'm not elite lots of reasons does it help you with your mental health does it Mm -hmm. help you feel connected to a community does it make you a better friend spouse sister significant what you name it whatever whoever you are then do it then go for it you know and so I think that's a neat thing to to realize and I was hanging out with someone was like oh you're just as nervous about your race as I am and you know you're you know, not, not just not, you're not going to have a camera on your face. And I was, oh, this is, this is a universal, potentially universal experience. And, and that's why I say, yeah, people come sign up for races, come, come do races, train hard, you know, um, uh, and if you need like a permission slip, you know, then (laughs) if I have the jurisdiction to give it, if you, if your training will make you, I mean, I'm a better parent because I, train yeah. hard you know yeah 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 okay fine I get you know um um some some livelihood from it but 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 even but but I only got here because I was working so hard I wasn't getting paid anything from any race money or sponsor or anything you know back in the day when I was just trying to make the U.S. Olympic trials because golly that sounded fun and great and what a great <laughs> challenge and I'm in my 20s and what am I doing after my personal training job anyway type deal is social is great and so, yes, I do think, especially there's some parents out there who are like, oh, my gosh, I've, it's hard to just, justify the time away from my kids and stuff. Yeah. And like, well, yeah, I mean, I get it. Time with kids is, is important. Sure. But if your time with them then is better because you're not as grouchy because you got your run in and you're taking care of your health and, mm-hmm. you know, then there, there are ways to kind of work around that. And someone asked me recently, like, do you train with your kid or not? And in my 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 experience, um, which is different, everyone's is different, but is that. I don't do like my key hard workouts with my mm. child. She's only six. I don't even just do a three mile run with her. Although I'm hoping at some point if she wants to, that that can get worked in, but I do the fluffy stuff with her that can be interrupted. So we'll do, you know, I'll do my core work or she'll, um, you know, ask me if I need pressure while I'm doing foam rolling and she'll, mm. you know, sit on my quad or my, yeah. So we kind of, we kind of work together in that regard and that makes it fun. Mm. But in general, yeah, I otherwise train on my own without her but yeah just uh kind of adding adding kids in when you can can be helpful it's nice for them to see it it's nice for them to see it and kind of just make it normal 
but you know, you move yeah. your body. Yeah. You move your body. Yep. This is important. This is what I do. This helps me feel better. Um, you know, I'll be back soon or whatever, you know, and, uh, and kids, I think, um, it's good for them to, to see that that's what we do. We, we, we work it into the day, even when we're tired or it doesn't quite fit well, or we'd rather, I would rather sit down and play Monopoly with you, but let's play a quick card game when I get back while I'm stretching. And then you get a mommy who is yeah, less grumpy and, More um, healthier and the time with you then will be more quality yeah yeah I agree I, I can be quite a selfish parent um and I do have a lot of what I need but I think I give a lot to my child as well and I think it makes me better to to do that you know even if it's just you know we're on school holidays here and she's been with my mom all day and she went out with her dad yesterday so I've had like two days where I've actually managed to like tidy her bedroom and I feel I just feel good I feel good and I'm happier because I'm not living in a situation that's like ugh. so even I've been able to achieve stuff without her around that has made just me feel better, which will make everything feel better. Not that I control the household, but you know exactly yeah. what I mean. Like if you can raise your own mental state, then it's good for everyone and everyone should be able to do that. So, yes. yeah. So I've seen you doing a lot of public speaking lately. Um, is that something that you recently moved into? I have been doing public speaking actually for years upon years upon years I can't even remember when I first started getting asked to do like little things like hey will you speak to my daughter's cross-country team they're really excited because they made state for the first time and so it started out with just little things um I've spoken to a lot of schools which is mm. so fun um sometimes in a Wonder Woman costume <laughs> spoken to a nonprofit that helps take people off the streets and gives them jobs called Boulder Bridge House, either cooking or working on the trails and helps them save. And just, I, I got to speak at um the, the graduation of uh, a group that was really a neat, neat thing. And now I'm moving on more and more to some corporate opportunities, mm. doing some keynote speaking, just getting people, you know, revved up in their, you know, sales or their, you know, whatever, because everyone has obstacles. So it's really, it's a pretty easy sell as far as being able to bring value to a company or a group. It's like mm. reminding people, we all go through tough times. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing, you know, you've got this. You've just, uh, you know, got to remember to stay focused, persevere, learn those lessons, kind of look at the, look at the mistake as objectively as possible mm. and then move on. It's just been really neat, been really, really a fun way to, connect with people, take my my mistakes, my experiences and package it up in a way that can actually be meaningful for others. Mm. And it also allows me to continue to earn a living in a way where I don't have to like sit in an office for eight to nine hours. I can you know, write, write, write my speech on my own time and then deliver it in one hour and then boom. <laughs> and I'd like to do some more like um, commencement speeches. I think it'd be neat to talk to you know, kids, if you will, young adults as they're going out into the world at age 22 and say, welcome, the real world is, is upon you. <laughs> and there's yeah. moments. Your face won't land in the mud if you're doing mm. it right, you know. So that's just been a fun way to 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 take the athletic side and move it into more of like a like a like a longer term way to give back to the community. Mm. Yeah. No, that's great. It's it's awesome. And you're right, you know, it's I think racing, whether you are an elite or whether you are somebody who walks the course, it gives something to everyone and it definitely gives lessons. And I know, you know, I'd probably say 
maybe like eight years ago, it kind of started to get a bit toxic where it's just like, oh, you just, you know, suffer through the pain and carry on rather than something that nowadays is, yep, you got to work really hard and you've got to push, but you've also got to be gentle on yourself. And surprising enough, a lot of the elites and, you know, the pros, they have that attitude of, of which is which is good, you know, being good mentally, having good mental health, caring for yourself. It's not about kind of, and and I suppose this is one of the reasons why the pros are so successful is they understand the balance of life that's required, how you have to care for yourself, how you have to um, balance your training. It's not just constant. So like you say, I see people who maybe race age group and you think with the amount you're doing, you know, wow, you, you work really hard. You, you should you should be at the top. And then, you know, if you were to dissect it slightly like, oh, you're not doing these key aspects of, of self-care and nutrition and sleep and um i'm going off on a complete tangent here but yes yeah, it's, it's, yeah, no, it's you're true. Right. whatever whatever we're doing it it's gonna test us mentally and you've got to learn how to how to carry on in a healthy way and i think that it's great to see a shift from mental health especially mental illness being like oh my gosh wow what is this ah back mm. away you know to like hey look we all go through some tough times some people more than others some people have a, a little bit of anxiety here and there some people have chronic anxiety some people have you know bipolar i mean there are, there are all kinds of things that people deal with mentally uh and so it's neat to see people opening up more about that and their experiences and people even looking at eating disorders mm. as a mental uh illness which it is, um, you know, in, in, in the definition of it. So it's neat to see that happening because then people can feel more supported and they're going to be less ostracized if it's like, Oh, you know, going through this, well, how can we help you with that as a society, as a friend, as, you know, and then hopefully counseling, things like that. So that's been neat to see. And I think that one thing in the past is that people tended to just post about their hardest workout mm. or their, you know, and, and, really the reality is that we all have great workouts. We all have bad, you know, difficult days in workouts. And, you know, I, you know, did a 20 mile run the other day after a 12 mile run. And I'm trying to do this. Uh, my first, I've signed up for my first ultra. And it's like, mm. oh man, like I noticed that those here at WC, it's like, okay, people who are, are finishing ahead of me are all like have better endurance than I have and more mountain skills. Okay. I'm gonna sign up for the longest, biggest mountain. night. <laughs> like force myself to like train get better at mountains and add endurance so i'm doing this the checking out 50k in near seattle and it's like forcing me motivating me to do mm. these longer things it's like yeah i'm posting that but it's like but remember rose to, to also you know post about the fact that you took a total day off three days ago like this 32 mile weekend was brought to me by the day off I took three days ago because I was tired. I was messing up. So yeah. <laughs> you know, I took a self care day. I, you know, and so it's, I think, important and great to see elites, you know, everyone more and more moving toward this idea and in reality that in order to do hit these peaks, sometimes we have to have go through these valleys and work through them and. Mm. That's a part of it, part of the journey. Yeah, it's part of the journey. It's not just about, it's not just about, you know, beating yourself as hard as you can. It's just as important to do everything. And mm -hmm. I mean, maybe I suppose it can be scary if 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 you don't know as much as what you're doing and you don't have the routine set. You know, there can be those times where if you stop, it can be hard to carry on or it can be 
So people might not know what they're allowed to do. So again, mm-hmm. to see people who know what they're doing, who are, in your case, you know, trained professionally to know what you're doing as well, to go, no, no, you really have to do it this way. And do you know what? It's okay if it's like this. And, you know, but then you have to do this as well and, and push yourself mm-hmm. here. And you know, I think it's... Yeah. yeah. I mean, having a coach is really helpful. Um, I have a great coach, David Roche. There, he has a he has a program for 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 anyone. Um, same with you know I don't OCR people like Face Denning, Rhea Coble, I think Robert Killian. I mean, there are lots of people who have coaching programs mm-hmm. out there, and it's really if someone's just like, oh, I'm working so hard, and I can't. How can I be working so hard, not getting better? Mm-hmm. You might be working too hard. You might be working yeah. too hard too many days in a row, and a coach is going to be able to have you, you know, work the right amount on the right day. And some of those days are supposed to be easy. Like I literally ran slowly for, you know, one half of the time that I ran yesterday. And that's good. You you need those days. Yeah. Those aren't Instagram worthy days, but we do need those days to recover. And I think some people just they go hard and then harder the next day and harder the next day and wonder why. And it's like, wow, you work you are working hard enough to get really good results. We actually have to work smarter, not harder. Yeah. And it can be really, really, really great for that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. I mean I don't have a coach, but having seen, you know, enough people do it, you can see the difference of the right coach as well. Like when you get the right combination with people, like can, you know, magic sure. can start to happen. It's 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 really great. Um, so speaking of OCRWC, we're gonna see you this year. Yes, Yay. I will be there. Great. So excited. Yeah. So it's our 10th anniversary this year. This is our 10th event that we've put on. You've been a lot of them, haven't you? Um, I've been to, yeah, most of them. I went to one in uh, London when I was, uh, I think it had to have been less than a year from having a child. Maybe it was a year after, but I definitely went with it. Was it either sunny or very wet? It was very wet. 2019. Yeah. Okay. So it was a year after. (laughs) Yes. It was very wet. Oh my gosh. That venue was so fun though, because Mm -hmm. of that zip line into the water. And the, and the, and the death slide. Yeah. Yes. But yes, OCWC is such a magical, magical and unique event. And it is, I will be there with bells on and I'm ready. So excited. I mean, I think so too. Um, So thank you very much. I think it's, I think it's, just super special i'm so excited to welcome everyone back again this year and you know we're getting um we're getting some good numbers we're getting some good athletes sign up we're going to start celebrating that soon kind of the the people that are coming back that we haven't seen for years i think it's going to be a really good year and i hope a lot of people can can make the trek i mean i know it's a long trek um internationally for a lot of people but it is such a beautiful venue and it's just wonderful when you look around and see people from all over the world. It's just such a beautiful, neat way to come together and connect and learn about each other and share this, you know, love of obstacle course racing on the same course. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, on that note, on that very beautiful note, let's let's call it a day there. It's been so nice to chat to you and kind of get to know you like this. I know we've spoken a fair amount, but good to hear more about your story so thank you so much for sharing that thank you so much for listening good luck with the year and can't wait to see you in october wow thanks you too see you soon Bye. bye